Welcome to Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of Books Off the Beaten Path. This is a podcast for our readers to get to know the authors of our books and look between the pages and behind the scenes. Plus, at the start of each month, we will offer readers a limited time code for a discount on the featured book. Your hosts are the co-owners and managing editors of Mount Zion Ridge Press. And we are back for part two of our chat with Betty Boswell, discussing her newest release, Hoping for Treasure, which is the third book in the series started with the book On Cue. So you're going to enjoy this chat. We always have a lot of fun chatting with Betty. I guess maybe we should introduce ourselves before we get going in case you're new and this is the first time you've come to listen to Books on the Ridge. I'm Michelle Levine. I'm one of the managing editors here at Mount Zion Ridge Press. And here is my partner in literary crime. And I'm Tamara Lynn Craft, managing editor at Mount Zion Ridge Press. And remember, through August 15th, if you use the discount code TREASURE, all capital letters, you'll get a dollar off of an ebook, print book, or audiobook download of Hoping for Treasure right here on the Mount Zion Ridge Press site. So my next question is about the setting. Woodson House, that has been in On Cue and in Free to Love, and now it's in Hoping for Treasure. I think you've talked to us about this before, but why don't you explain whether it's a real house and a real town or how you did the setting? Okay, so Woodson House was inspired by a place in Sylvania, Ohio, and that place is called the Lathrop House. You can look it up on the internet. They have a, a Facebook and a web page. Uh, the Lathrop House was a home that had been around uh, before the Civil War, and it, in its basement, there was a room next to a basement oven that was right off the room, and it was big enough for a couple or maybe two or three people to squeeze into and lay flat on shelves. And it was always rumored to be part of the Underground Railroad, which if you were part of the Underground Railroad during the contemporary times of that uh, system, you didn't let people know that you were part of it, and you didn't let people know for years. But there was a man named Siebert who wrote about the Underground Railroad in Ohio, and um, this he wrote like in the early 1900s, and he did research and found out where some of the Underground Railroad houses were. So the house in the 19. 19- 50s, I think it was, they did a renovation of this big old house that was like the mansion for the town. And in the basement of it, when they did some renovation, they discovered the hidden room, which is going to be part of Hoping Treasure since it's set in the later 1940s. Uh, So I kind of moved that back a few years. But the basement of the house has been restored to a point about i don't know how many years 15 20 years ago the catholic church across the street bought the property and was going to destroy the house 
And all the historians in the area, including me, went. <laughs> and so there were uh, petitions signed. There was money raised. What they did was they lifted the house off its foundation. They rebuilt the basement in about 50 feet back from its original place where it sat and then dropped that house back down on the new rebuilt foundation. And now on certain Sundays in the summer, it's open for tours where people can go in there and learn about the Underground Railroad and see the hidden room. But I made up a story about how the hidden room was related to uh, someone um, in the uh, Free to Love, and they helped a Black relative of theirs to freedom through that house. And then in on cue, Jenny was writing a musical about that house. And then in Hoping for Treasure, they're going to uh, through a blow-up, okay? So the original finding of this room was done through uh, just a renovation of the house. When my dad was a chemist, one night, and he wasn't there luckily, one night where he worked, the lab blew up. And so when the lab in Hoping for Treasure blows up, well, well I'm telling too much of the story again, but it's, it's based on kind of a real event for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I understand I read somewhere that every single county in Ohio had a stop on the Underground Railroad mm -hmm. such a rich history in Ohio oh yeah yeah we've been discussing you know the background of the book and the real life events that wove into it so we're going to kind of move over into the craft portion the actual process of writing the book. So first basic question, how long did it take to write this book? Uh, was this something you, you sat down and got to work on it and went through from beginning to end? Or was this a project that you worked on from time to time over year, over the course of years or. So this one, uh, both uh, on cue and hoping or and free to love i had started scenes from them if not a whole manuscript from them before i ever got to the point of being an accomplished writer with this one it was like okay i've handed in free to love what am i going to do next so basically a year and a half i would say would be the time it took to write it um and I am kind of a discovery writer. That's a new term that Tamara gave me for pantsters. <laughs> I found myself writing a scene here and a scene there, and then a scene way in the future, a scene way in the past. And then when I was ready to get closer to pushing into, into a book, I said I kind of quilted it together. So I call it my patchwork book. <laughs> That's awesome. 
So in this book, what did you learn along the way? It could be spiritually or in terms of improving your writing or challenging your imagination. Anything that stuck out to you? (laughs) As far as physically writing the book, I, my main critique partner's husband is, has been in, in declining health. And I, uh, someone from Michigan ACFW who is in a group with ACFW of Scribes, which is a critiquing service ACFW provides. Someone in the Michigan group reached out to me and said, we are short a person. Would you like to be part of our group? And so I joined them, not knowing what the future of my other critique partner would be. She's plugging along and doing a great job still. Um, But um, having multiple eyeballs on the manuscript really helped, helped me with little tiny things and little catches that I wouldn't have thought of before or that my original critique partner had caught. So even, you know, just having more eyes on the thing, uh, I think helped make it better. I think as far as the um, miscarriage issue, I think it helped me clear out things from my past. I wasn't, as far as that, I was pretty tough. I just, you know, maybe cried today and then came home and went back to normal life or whatever. And I cried a few tears when I was writing about the miscarriage this time. And I think, you know, maybe there was something that needed to come out, needed to be released. So. Okay. So it was a growing and healing experience mm-hmm. even years later. Oh yeah. Working this out. So is there, did you feel at any time there was like a, a roadblock, um, something or someone trying to stop you from getting this book out into the world? Because it seems like, you know, with, especially with miscarriage issue and job situation, that a lot of people can identify with this. And this book might be helping them, even though that might not have been the intent from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But did you feel there was some kind, some opposition at any time for creating well, the story? You know, I think the fact that I, I think we signed this one pretty quickly after the others. And I think having a deadline made me say, oh, I got to push through this if I'm stuck. What happened, that's why I went patchwork, because when I got stuck and couldn't figure out where to go with that one scene, I jumped to the end and wrote the ending. And then I had to figure out, you know, what's going to go in between. And I think, well, at one point, I gave everybody, the four main characters, Dale, and Betsy and Jenny and Scott, I gave them each a color of a post-it note. And I looked at the scenes that I had and put them up in order. And I saw that, yeah, Jenny had all kinds of post-it notes and some of the, and Betsy came in second. And then the guys were like, oh, I need to make the guys have some parts in this story. And so by looking at that, I, I had to say, what can I do with this guy? What can what problems can he have? What what are his next steps? And then when I when I sewed it all together, I had to not only did I have those four characters, I had left Missy from Free to Love hanging without an end 
for her romance. And so I used her sometimes as a theme connector with a poem. And sometimes those poems were already written. Sometimes I had to write the poem to connect the scenes. So, yeah. Yeah, I especially like that, the uh, the sense of closure on Missy's story. But I especially liked, you know, having Missy's story tied up and letting us know that she had something of a happily ever after. I'm not going to ruin it for the readers of Free to Love. Um, but it's nice to know that Missy and her sweetheart continued, you know, had had a life past the end of the end in Free to Love. So it made um, them feel like more real people. Well, now getting on to the most important topic, tea. (laughs) (laughs) We're so mean when it comes to tea. (laughs) Well, I know that you don't like tea, Betty, but I'm going to forgive you because you put a tea scene in the book. Tell us about it. Okay. So, you know, this was one, you know, I mentioned I like history. Researching something on history can be really fun. And I think on one of these podcasts, we talked about the tea and it was like, ooh, I should probably do something for Tamara with tea in this book. And I appreciated it. (laughs) (laughs) So Betsy and Mrs. Woodson visit the city at a certain point in their story and their hostess has a tea party for them. And what was really well first they had to get on the elevator i loved the elevator scene i learned a lot about otis elevators and the operators that ran that really fun little scene with that but when they got up to the apartment uh, they had a tea scene and i discovered that i think it was tiffany's at that during that time period and maybe even a little earlier had done um and you're going to have to give me the correct terminology because I've forgotten it the little instead of a tea bag you have a tea ball yes okay so the tea balls that Tiffany uh, had put out that were you know for people that had money um, were in different little shapes and there was one shape that was like a little miniature teapot that was a tea ball so so that was a fun uh, exercise in researching because research is important if you're writing history very important if you're writing contemporary and you mention a career or a a, a well-known place you better know this the history of it and since that was set in a certain city i did research that city and what it might have looked like at a certain point in history and some of the monuments that were in it awesome i especially liked that little that little scene and all the little infusers and like that would be a fun gift, like um, a fun promotional item, maybe at some time. There you go. <laughs> it's just all those cute up. little details, mm. you know, that you don't think about. Have you been reading any books for pleasure lately? Or <laughs> have you limited your reading to research and preparation for your next project for us? Because if nobody's noticed, we're keeping you kind of busy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, how did I do this to myself? (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, I did. 
I said to myself the other day, I do need to just sit and read. And I had a couple of love-inspired books that I had picked up at the grocery store or Walmart, wherever it was. Picked up at Walmart, I think it was. A couple of months back, and I picked them up. And I've been so into the editing mode. I was like, ooh, I would have worded that wrong or different. I, I would, there's a word that's out of place there. Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. I'm not reading for pleasure right now. I'm finding all these things that I would have written different. <laughs> Doesn't that destroy your enjoyment when you're, when you're reading from the an editor's viewpoint? Yeah, I need to step out of that while I'm doing my kids' books here. <laughs> <laughs> so any of these titles you, you want to recommend or just just basically say love inspired is fun uh, reading to relax your brain for a while. Right. It is. I used to be completely contemporary with them, but lately I've enjoyed the romantic suspense more because it seems like there's more to it than just, Oh, well, was me. I'm falling in love, but he's <laughs> yeah. Hallmark plot, whatever. Oops. Can we say that on it? <laughs> but yeah. I, I've enjoyed the romantic suspense a little more because it has some other things going on besides the romance. So what is your process for writing? Are there any rituals you need to do before writing? Like I fix myself a cup of tea. <laughs> it's basically when is the hubby going to be out of the house? <laughs> ah. So we, we share the family computer and so, and he's, he's a minister, so he talks a lot. <laughs> so basically, if I can find quiet time, uh, in a few weeks here, school will be starting up. And so most of my writing in the, since retiring and helping with the grandkids has been afternoon. I uh, go to, uh, I take the kids to school in the morning. I go to the local college for a few silver sneaker exercise things and then have my lunch. And then I sit down and write until it's time to pick the kids up. And that's a most days thing. This, I just did the camp NaNoWriMo to make sure that I got Honey's story written before the end of the month. And so with it, I did sit down and spend some longer spells at writing. And again, I found myself doing that patchwork thing where I would do a scene here and then jump to somewhere else in the story and, and then try to fill in the middle and kind of things so that I was going to try to be more organized, but it just happened that I liked the patchwork, I guess. Well, that's and I was like, that's what yeah. works for you. Yeah, I'm like, if I can't get this scene done, I'm going to jump to a scene that I have the idea about, and I'm going to get it done. So yeah, you have to do what works, you know, for your your temperament, the way your brain works. Mm -hmm. You know, the worst thing you can do for yourself as a writer is to try to follow somebody else's process. Mm -hmm. And I think with the illustrating, it can happen anywhere. It can be, yeah, we're watching TV, or it can be. Uh, I went to a conference this last week at the Mazin Museum, which is for picture books and mainly for teachers anymore. 
but I went to support because I volunteer there and uh, I ended up sitting in the back of the classroom drawing pictures for uh, Leo. <laughs> That's how it kind of sounds familiar. <laughs> mm, like church on your manuscripts, right? Yeah, but um, we just finished up a week of vacation Bible school and during the breaks between the kids coming to our station, I was sitting there with my notebook, writing notes to myself and brainstorming my next project. And sounds like you're able to basically write anywhere, but do you have a set place where you do most of your writing or are you one of these nomadic writers who can write anywhere at any time? Uh, the two places I write are in front of the family computer, as I mentioned before. And then I keep a journal and it uh, goes with me on vacations. It's the first thing I look at in the morning. And sometimes that journal is just a list of to do for the day. And sometimes it's like, oh, what if this character? And then I write some things that later come to the computer. I have a little laptop that I take with me on vacations and uh, trips out of town. And that makes it where I can write anywhere. <laughs> well, now the book has been released. So what's your next plan? Are you taking time off from writing for a little bit or or planning on doing some illustrating or full speed ahead on the next book in the series? How are you uh, going to spend your next few weeks? <laughs> I'm For the next few weeks, I'm going to concentrate on the illustrating we're right now trying to get some pencil sketches together. After that, um, that side story from the romantic suspense, I, somewhere in my files, I have a couple of pages written on that. So there might be, that might be what calls to me next. But the fair is coming up and the grandkid's going to ride a horse during the fair and get her first ribbon and something, I hope. <laughs> Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, and then school will start. And, you know, once school starts, then I can be back to that writing routine in the afternoon. Well, we're coming to an end. Betty, do you have any last words to say? Uh, yes, I think it's very important to an author, any author, that after you read their book, you think about what you liked about it and you post it on Goodreads, BookBub, or Amazon. And I've discovered if you're a regular Amazon customer, you can post reviews even if you didn't buy from that company. So I think it's very, very important. That's a big part of uh, getting the book out there and sharing its message with others is to give a review. I agree. Thank you for coming, Betty. And we have that discount code, don't forget, until August 15th. The code is TREASURE, all caps, and you will get $1 off any format of Hoping for Treasure on the Mount Zion Ridge Press website. Join us next week. We'll have another author in the hot seat and learn more about their books. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Thanks for listening to Books on the Ridge, a production of Mount Zion Ridge Press, home of books off the beaten path. Check our website, www.mountzionridgepress.com, for more information. 
please consider subscribing to support this podcast. Plus, receive regular updates and more discounts as our way of saying thanks. Please come back next week for a new discussion with another Mount Zion Ridge Press author. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. We certainly did.